Welcome to this green church. We're a Christian community on a mission to raise saviors, believers that are righteous and supernatural, to succeed, lead, and have transformational societal impact. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and Wednesday at 6 p.m. to be a part of this amazing service. Be blessed as you listen. Uh, so let's get right into it. So um, for the past few weeks, ever since we started literally since camp meeting, you know, our teachings have gone a particular direction and the beauty of it has been relevance for, you know, your life, right, for our lives. And I'm going to be continuing on that today, right? So um, PT has, the most continuous topic has been, you know, we did Inside Out, which on 2023, we did Inside Out, we've done Thrive, Thriving with Faith, Thrive, and today Thrive Again, right? So, um, as we start, first thing I need us to understand is that first and foremost, God is a good father, right? God is our good father. He's a very, 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 very good father. And we need that first understanding to trump everything else. Because if we receive that fact, then we can make room for everything else, right? So if we agree that God is a good father, then we can continue so. I believe we are. And if God is a good father, um, one of the devotionals this week, devotionals is what you read. So one of the Joy Today devotionals this week was even particularly about this as well, how um, God is a good father and how he protects, he's a good shepherd, protects, provides, cares for, even for the little things, right? And that's literally who God is, right? However, this year is a viral year. And the goal is that we are thriving, right? Usually, when you hear the word thrive, it usually means to um, succeed. But usually, the word is usually used in association to difficult situations, right? Um, usually, when somebody says, oh, they have thrived, or the roses thrived, usually it's because it could have been harder, it could have been difficult, and may not have even happened, right? So, because we already know that this is a viral year, we are... And we know that we are the fields that the Lord has blessed. And we know that in our lives, every dry desert land have become trees. And those trees have definitely been counted as forests, right? It is important that we understand how to manifest these things, how to thrive, like I said. All right. Okay. Um, just some summary from the previous is that first, the supply to thrive is in the plan. And um, we've talked about this in the previous weeks, that there is no, there's no blowing, actually. There's no, like, you know, proper blowing outside of God's will for our plan. Also, so if you remember how I explained that thriving is usually synonymous with difficult situations, it means that you can also, like, another word we may decide to use is actually hustle them blow. But the difference would be that in this case, you are helped, right? And that's that. So, um... Yeah, PT has taught us that first we have to find something doing, right? That our hands need to find something doing. We need to be busy people, right? And lay hold of the power of instructions from God, right? Um, when Jesus met Peter and he told him to cast his nets, Peter, Peter was already a fisherman. And why I particularly like this story is because he was already a fisherman and it wasn't if, even if his reaction was, you know, must have been, I have done this before, but it wasn't a foreign task when God asked him to cast his nets, right? It was simply a, 
I've done this before. You're asking me to do it again. You can even come off as that, uh, bro, leave me, right? However, it wasn't a foreign task. Safe to say that God always needs a canvas, always needs a canvas, always needs a canvas to paint on, right? To write our stories on, and it's what he's always doing. So it's important we find our hands doing something, right? And these things we are doing can be prayer time, can be for life, whatever. But it's important that we know that these plans must come from God, right? Because in him is life, right? And outside him is death. So something I say very frequently is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're not in Jesus, you're living a lie because it's the truth. Um, he's the life. It means you're dead, and he's the way. It means you're lost, right? So if you don't have him, then that's literally your condition. Okay. So uh -huh, leveraging on the power of instructions from God, right? The ability of God to supply is never a problem. And so we see this in the person of Jesus. If you read the story of the Gospels a lot, you find that Jesus was an ever-ready supplier, ever-ready provider, ever-ready friend, ever-ready helper. Jesus would literally be walking and you'd see somebody standing by the riverbank that didn't ask for help, but he decides to you know heal first so it means that and we know that jesus is the visible from expression of the invisible father so it means that the best way to define god is to see who jesus is and if that is it then we know that god himself is never is never he's relentlessly trying to help us that's just it. like he's willing he's willing and the beautiful fact that you know jesus is forever understanding with our human conditions that he's not so distant away not to empathize or understand what goes on with us goes on with us here yeah. right so god's will for us is prosperity we can't teach this enough right we are called to abound in very very good works that you and i having all that we need having all that we need at all times you know, to live well and abound in very, 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 very good works. So God's provision to the disciple Peter with the fish was to prove that there is supply in him. That supply is not a problem. Supply is not an issue. That with God, provision is never a question. It's an assurance, right? And God is able to take care of us at all times. You know, Matthew, beautiful. Matthew 6 says, um, the, I think from like... Everything there is literally labeled about how um, if you seek the kingdom, you have everything. However, do not worry, right? For if God is able to take care of the birds and the flowers who today can be, you know, pulled out of the ground and thrown into fire, what more you? I love that particular chapter very much because every time I read it, I'm very angry. <laughs> angry because it's very, it's, I think it's something that the world does. It's very beautiful, the reality we have to believe. It is as good as saying that this is what I see. But God says this is what it is. Wow. Right? And even if I don't see it, or it doesn't look like it, it's ridiculously insane that all I can, must desire, is actually that. So it's the fact that God already sets like high standards of positivity, of the best for us, right? He says that even like if birds are never hungry, his own will not be, his children will not be. And that's just very beautiful that God is forever a supplier, right? So God, God's plan for our lives is to enjoy. He will, 
Not he can, but he will take care of us, right? And we're to be God's plan-oriented, not money-oriented. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, right? I particularly like that, even if a lot of times we use that Bible verse to mean like um, financial needs. I find it's relative to every single thing. It says, I lack nothing, right? And it means I do not lack joy, I do not lack comfort, I do not lack hope, I do not lack community, I do not lack friendship, I do not lack peace, I do not lack strength, I do not lack favor, and when I need money, I don't lack it as well. So it means the Lord is my shepherd, and the only story of a shepherd that's really popular is, you know, King David himself who was always with the sheep, and then we see how that skill led him to the king's house at the end of the day. And we find that when we talk about Jesus, the good shepherd, the parable, talks about how he would, he would leave those ones to go after the one because of the importance of the one. And we can interpret that a lot of ways, but ultimately it's to say that every single one out of the bunch of hundred Right, it's an incredibly amazing power to love. Like it's beautiful. Cause I mean, typically, if I had hundred things and one wasn't good, I'm not sure why I'm going after the one. To be honest, right? Cause I mean, literally, why am I expending so much energy? It doesn't make sense. However, it is the reality that God's word, God's love, is for all of us. Yet for each one of us, is that God's love? God loves all of us, but He loves me. He loves Israel, he loves pity, he loves all of us, but yet he loves me, right? So yes, I can say God loves me and God loves us. And so God, will, God is chasing after my heart the same way he's chasing after your heart as well. Like it is, it's, actually in, it's actually beautifully insane anyways, right? So God desires the very best for us so that we must serve with, the, so that we can serve and we must serve with the very best. So, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8. Okay, I'm reading the Amplified. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything being completely self-sufficient in him and have abundance for every good work and act of charity right it first starts with the fact that we have then we have enough to give that is the height of abundance that is god's will for us right um we also have talked about how it's impossible to navigate the life of god without the word of god Right, if you're a Magode, which is Son of God, then it means that you have the life of God, Zoe. And if you have Zoe, ultimately also means that you know the manual to living the life that you have cannot be outside of Zoe, right? So it means that to hack Zoe, I need Zoe, right? And the life of God is properly detailed out in the Word of God, right? We cannot underestimate the word of God. And starting off with the fact that we can't acknowledge what we do not remember, right? If I do not remember, how can I acknowledge it? So, Second Peter, Second Peter 1, 
Second Peter 1, 12 to 13 says, Therefore, I particularly like this entire chapter. Therefore, I am always, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and are established in the truth which is held firmly in your grasp. I think it's right, as I am in this earthly tent body, to inspire you by reminding you, knowing that the laying aside of this earthly tent of mine is imminent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. Basically, here, Peter was telling these guys that. I want you to remember, even though you already know them, it's important to realize that Peter wasn't speaking to people that were not aware. And so it's very silly for you and I to think that uh, we are too, we are too, we are, we know too much. See, uh, you can't underestimate the importance of a teachable spirit with God. Now nah, you can't. Mm -mm. With God and his word, it's so important that we come every time like we never knew. The way that changes us, oh my God, I, I, can't, I can't say. It changes us so much that, because first of all, every time you read the Bible, I don't know how to explain how you read, how I read Galatians chapter 5, 22, almost every other day. And I, it's like I'm just finding one part. This week, I found, okay, I will still get there. But like, it's like how I find something in that same verse every single time, right? Mostly because the word of God is spirit and life. And the word of God at every single time is sent for us, right? And it is ridiculous to think that we, will, that we can do without it. It's ridiculous to think that, again, you have Zoe. How do you hack Zoe without the word of God? How do you hack the life of God without the word of God? <laughs> what are you, right? Typically, what are you, right? So we must prioritize the word of God so much in our hearts that, see, it is what we desire so strongly. Reading the Bible, listening to sermons, these things will save us. These things will save us. <laughs> reading joy-to-day devotional, I speak for myself because I do this, you know, every day. It will save us. There are times when you're going through your day and something happens. For me, this is Joy Today devotional every time. Something happens, I just remember, I, I always just remember, because I read the Joy Today devotional in a human being's like, um, voice. I always assume somebody who wrote it and read it in that voice. And something is just going on in my day. And I just remember one particular line there that, that comes back to me. And I'm like, oh, hey. Uh, let's say I assume that Pastor Inda wrote it. I'm like, mm, Pastor Inda already told me I should not think like this. And that's always enough for me. Right? And it's the fact that the word of God is, is like an ass now. You may not be at war today, but you will be at war one day. And the day you need it, you need something to pull out. See, um, God's faithfulness cannot be hung on just what he has done for us. Because at every time we need something to be done. It has to be hung on who he is. And to know who he is, you need to study the word. Right? Spend time with your father. Right? Desire him. There will be days you don't feel like it. There are days you feel very much like it. But it must matter to you on both days. We still talk about how creating systems are important to you, like how building habits is super important. If not, we'll just be vibing, right? Um, so, yeah, the same Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 9 says, For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life. Let me go to maybe NL, NIV, version that 
Okay, so his divine power, I know we all know this verse. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I want us to actually bank on verse 3. It says his divine, usually when we pray, we just say, oh, God has given me everything I need for a life of godliness. God has given me everything I need for a life of godliness. But it says here, through our knowledge of him. I remember reading this verse, and when I got it, I actually dropped my, 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 my Bible. And I said, ha. I was like, ha, wait, it's actually through my knowledge of him. It's amazing that God has sufficiently given me everything I need for a life of godliness. That everything I'll need next year, the next minute after this, the minute before now, was provided for. However, it is dependent on my knowledge of him. How much of him I know determines how much of him I can access. How much of him I know determines how much of him I can acknowledge exists, to be honest. If I don't know God as a healer, it's practically impossible to tell me that God will heal my headache, right? So it is important to see here that, you know, through our knowledge of him, who has called us by his own glory and goodness. So we see God's lavish grace, right? Through this, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate, we may participate in, the, in this divine nature, having escaped corruption in the world caused by evil desires, right? So it means that everything we need is hinged on what we know about God. And the word knowledge is um, practical knowledge is to know, like to deeply know, intimately know, right? Practical knowledge of God. And we do this by studying the word, spending time with God, listening to sermons, and all of that, right? Through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory. And then verse 5 says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. It shows the, you know, how basically it's like rereading Galatians 5.22, but then shows how, how we must add on these things. But beautiful fact is that it throws the effort back on us. It doesn't say, you know, God will help us, but it just says, it says here that make every effort. Why? Remember that the previous verse already told you that for God has given us all that we need, right? So now it's on us to then add these things to Putting effort to grow in godliness, putting effort to grow in knowledge, self-control, perseverance. So it means from reading this chat, if you have all of this already, you know, every day showing up in your life, I'm proud of you. However, if you don't, it's simply a realization that the Christian walk is a life of transformation. And that's why it's impossible to say that um, um, this is how I am, mostly because our life is a life of transformation right it's so clear that from one from when we are saved we receive a new life we come into purpose we literally only just have purpose in that time everything else you, co you considered purpose before then is literally rubbish mostly because um if i build this thing this thing that's in front of me we call it a lectern now but if i build it and tell you it's for sitting down and you stand on it you're using it but you're optimizing it so it's only the person that has made a thing that can tell you what it is good for so at the point of salvation, it's only the time you can know purpose. Everything else you knew before then, I'm not sure what it was. Maybe passion, desire, label it whatever you like. However, purpose can only be known in God if God has made you. He's only able to tell you who he is. And if Jesus is the only way we can access the Father, then yeah, right? 
So yes, so our work with Jesus is a work of transformation and it is progressive growth all the way. Every day, we as believers, we're in business of being made better. We're in business of being made better, right? So God's word, God's word is even more important because a lot of times, the specific details of God's will for situations are realized in subsection. So let me explain here what I mean. If I own a bakery, or let's say Tammy owns a bakery, and we're praying here now, and God speaks to her and tells her, I'm sending you bread. And God also tells Pastor Tolu, I'm sending you bread. And God also tells me, Pastor Inda, I'm sending you bread. And tells Bolu Dominion, everybody, I'm sending you bread. Are we aware that we'd interpret it differently? First, as humans, we have a high tendency to put one and one together, or two and two together. We love it. We love it. Like, our brain even puts, you know, scientifically, our brain even, like, puts in details. We create details that don't even exist to fill up space, right? We like, our brain is trying to explain why, you know, there's a space here and fills in images as well. So, mentally and naturally, defaultly, we're always putting in two and two. If God told me bread and I own a bakery, ah, maybe I start a new bread line. Ah, 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 typically. Or if maybe you used to sell communion bread, <laughs> maybe God stems to go and eat bread. <laughs> if maybe you already are looking for money, say, ah, God is sending me bread. God is sending me money. God is sending me money. Or if maybe you are even hungry, that's even the best thing. <laughs> you just walk down to Spain and say, God says I should go buy bread, <laughs> typically. <laughs> because at every single time, our brains are defaultly trying to put two and two together. But God is created out of time. Rather, sorry, he speaks out of time because God isn't created. So God speaks out of time. And it means that when he's speaking to us, it may not be a now. As in, when I mean now. Because God's now gone can be your, like, five hours after. It may not be 5.31 p.m. on today. Do you get my point? Because he's out of time and speaks out of time. Present, past, future. There are times he says, this is for now. As in, and that now is our now. There are times he just tells you something that you see a realization of three months after. Times, sometimes you tell you some materialization of a, a year. Sometimes even a work you're going to do for 15 years of your life. And so we throw ourselves into anxiety happily by putting two and two together a lot. And we now start working the direction. I, say, oh, I got them to go and buy bread from spa. And you now go to spa. And now you now come back. <laughs> After eating the bread, you now feel free. Now sleep. Say, ah, powerful revelation. God fed me bread from manna. <laughs> Literally, God sent me manna. And in that moment, I mean, you're, maybe you're right as well. And then maybe three days after, or two weeks after, three weeks after, God says bread again. And like, ah, God, are you telling me to open a bakery? I see it, I see. That's what you're telling me to do. <laughs> right? And then we put two and two together. Meanwhile, Ohita that God also told bread. Ohita that likes bread naturally, right? So Ohita that God told, told bread already has maybe already even gone to think that God told us to establish a business with bread. And somebody else that needed money thinks that maybe they need money now, that God is sending them money. And this is why it's very important that we are even closer to God's word. Because sometimes he says bread and he's telling you wait, right? You wait for more instructions. Like it comes later, later. Like you just keep the word in your heart, leave it somewhere, just keep it somewhere. And then later on, He's like, okay, I will send you bread. And it still doesn't make full sense. And then maybe scripture explains a bit. And it's not full. It's not like full meaning, right? But again, our hearts are very excited about putting two and two together so that we sound very, you know, yeah, deep. So, and then later on, 
maybe after a while, sometimes even forget a year after, six months, three months, even three weeks, sometimes three days or a day, even the next five minutes could be, you know, time is not, you know, it's not um, a constant thing for anybody, right? Different times, different people. So it may, something may now happen. Maybe bread may have meant money. Maybe bread may have meant bakery. Maybe bread may have meant um, the communion bread person. Maybe bread may have meant go to spa. And then after, God now, you know, reminds your heart what he told you before. And you're like, ah, that's what it meant. Sometimes you're not even aware again that that word is still there. So you're just living. And then there's, that happens. The thing happens, sure. And then God is not like, eh, that's the bread I talked about. You're like, oh my God, that was the bread, right? Imagine if you had actually gone to buy the entire of the bakery and built the bakery. <laughs> Meanwhile, that was not it. So it's important, right, that first we are patient with ourselves, mostly because we know that God's word is not slow. He is not slow, right? We are the ones that are usually too quick, right? There will be times, and this is not to cancel out the, the, in, like the love for clarity, no, but to also say that it's even more important. Let me think of a story. So let's think of, let me think of, I'm trying to think of somebody now, of stories in the Bible, not to come to my head. But let's think of how, I believe this may have happened to all of us, how God tells you, okay, stand up and go to the toilet. And you go to the toilet. Mentally, if I went to the toilet, ah, maybe God wants me to pee now because I need to pee later. And just go, and then God now tells you, you now look at the mirror, and like it's dirty, I need you to clean it. And like, oh, he now tells you, clean it. You now clean it. After cleaning it, five minutes later, somebody walks in and later, 10 minutes or even a day after, you now hear that, ah, somebody came and gave feedback in church. That your toilet mirror is the beautiful, most beautiful I've ever seen. And you realize that that was needed for that. So sometimes he would speak to us words in words and we only start and then it comes clearer. Right, so there will be times that we have it right from the beginning. That God will say, like to Ananias, go to straight. You see a man, he's blind, yada, yada, yada. And then there will be times that he would say, go. Okay, now you are here. Do this. As you're going there, do that. Right, in the little things, in the big things as well. And that's even more reason why we should desire the word of God more dearly because we can make a mistake. Peter said this one time that sometimes we can live in revelation of millions when God has spoken billions. Because, again, God's purpose is always unveiling, right? God's purpose is always unveiling, right? It's always unveiling. It's the fact that um, God can tell us to buy this microphone for now, and then later on we go on and he gives us a bigger reason to use it. So God's word is always unveiling. In fact, if you read your Bible, you'll find that you understand Galatians 5.22 today, nice like this. And they be like, ah, ah, this thing, I didn't know it can speak to me like this. Like this scripture can speak like this. So yeah, God's word is always unveiling. So the word of God, even when it looks slow, is working. Take a look at your life. So if we all look at ourselves now, whether we like it or not, we've had some level of growth. Think of something in the last one year, in the last six months, three months, that you had said, that, ah, I don't like this thing. And then, you know, you see happening now, right? You see yourself graduating, you see yourself getting a job. Now I now have a job. Uh, uh, now you can do this, you can do this, those little things. You can, we consider them little. But it's the fact that time is currency and a beautiful currency. Time is beautiful. Time is beautiful. It's a revealer. 
right? So all your time of prayer, study of the word, keep it because you need it. You, we will need it. We will all need it, right? And the word of God is always working, always working, always working, always working, right? So these things, that's um, verse six. These things will keep us from being. These things will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge. So we see that Peter talks about, you know, um, how God has given us everything we need for a life of godliness, and tells us to add certain things on certain things, and tells us the usefulness of those things, right? So our knowledge of God can yield profits. That's what it means, literally. So, like I like to say for myself, I enjoy progress and joy in defeat. Yes. So, um, how to consistently study the word? Ah, first of all, I know we have heard like this study the word a lot. So maybe it may not sound deep again. <laughs> I get. But if you don't like, if you like simple, take it from me. Um, you know this popular song, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day, is ageless wisdom. And if you like deep, I don't know how, to, let me look for how to say it for you. Um, <laughs> oh, and the power of the revelation of God <laughs> says, study the word. Does that work? Is that deep enough? <laughs> Bottom line is, guys, study the Bible, read the word, listen to sermons, listen to say Jesus, it will save us. Listen to say something I say a lot to myself is if I don't know something or if I misbehave because I'm not ready yet in the Bible. That's 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 my own conviction for bad behavior. Like what I mean is if I maybe do something bad now and I'm pretty very reflective. So if I do something bad now and I'm just thinking later and I'm thinking about ah this is not make sense. I didn't act right. My own next thought is ah these things happen like this because you haven't read the Bible to that point. Like, you've not read that place in the Bible. Sure, you know that if you're, if you're spending more time, you'd have gotten to Second Peter chapter 6. And funnily, I find that every single time. It's true. So, last time I was reading, I think, Luke 7, and I had already formed an entire sermon in my head for that Luke 7 last year, right? And then God was like, just hold on. <laughs> and I got to Luke 8, and everything I had assumed came crashing down because, okay. So imagine I had run out of my house with Luke 7. <laughs> uh, maybe it's heresy, Sha, right? I would have had. Bottom line is that, how did I get there? Okay, so bottom line is that God's word is always, you know, it's something that reveals. And personally, for me, I consider it my own lack of action. That's like, my, like the situation. So if, for instance, I find healing pretty hard to believe on that. Uh, I tell myself, uh, Chichi, if you read the Bible enough to this place now, you'd have known that this thing is important. The reason why you're not walking in this thing, why, you why you're not showing this fruit of the Spirit and all of that, is because you've not read the Bible at this point. So again, for me, mentally for me, it throws the effort back to me to say that there is something I haven't done and I need to do better, right? Versus blaming God for what he has already done and completed, really. So, um, Let's read the Bible, right? Study the word, listen to sermons, right? Um, how to cons consistently study the word. First, consider yourself a field. So this is what I do mentally. I consider myself a field, right? You see, I've already known this um, fruitful tree, something, something for all of you. But yeah, I consider myself a field. And what I do is I think of myself as the field and also the farmer to say that ah, if I put seed to the ground, if you're planting tomatoes, for instance, the goal is to have tomato fruits. But one day at a time, it may not look like anything's there. After a while, maybe you see leaves. After like maybe you see stalks, then you see seeds, then you see fruits. 
if you stop at where you don't say anything, you go. Somebody else will come and now carry the by your farm. I want you to say, ah, I have such 10 acres of land with tomato fruits. Work that you did, though. But who sold farm too early? You. If you stop at um, leaves, maybe, I don't know what they use tomato, maybe it's cookie, which I don't even know, maybe they can use it. But let's say they can use it. Bottom line is that you have a farm, a good farm, because we can see fruitfulness if leaves are growing. However, no, you've not optimized it. If I wait for fruit, I have food, literally. If I wait for tomato fruit, I have food. So I like to consider myself a field that uh, it may not show today that I have read Galatians 5 over and over. It may not show today that I have read Ephesians 1 and prayed it over and over. It will show tomorrow. It will show 0.1% than it did today. Next year, it will show 0.5% than it did last year. So it means in 10 years' time, it will probably show 12% more than it did the other day, right? So it means that at every single time I'm productive, whether, I cons whether I'm seeing it or not, so the goal is, because I am a field, I'll keep pouring water. I'll keep putting this water. I'll keep storing the word up in my heart. Joshua 1, 8, I'll keep storing the word up in my heart because by itself, I'll be able to make my way prosperous. So I'll keep storing the word up in my heart. I'll keep reading the Bible. I'll keep listening to sermons. I'll keep filling my space up with edifying content because I am a field that needs to flourish. Right, and it may take years, it may take weeks, it may take days, right? But it will happen. And every single day, there's progress that I didn't see yesterday. That's how I like to think of it, right? So it's also important to measure growth, right? Measure growth. I personally think that we owe ourselves a life of contemplation. I think that's also in Second Peter. I'm not sure now. But yeah, we owe ourselves a life of contemplation. If I find verse, I'll bring it up. We owe our life, ourselves a life of contemplation. Okay, I know where it is. We owe ourselves a life of contemplation. We owe ourselves a life of sitting down, taking a pause, thinking, I've done this, done this. How far has it gone? And I know that we do this a lot with everything else in our lives, relationships, friends, all of that. And then we don't do with the word or with how much impact the word is having in our hearts. So it's important and a beautiful way to measure our growth is fruits of the spirit. I promise you, you can kabash from today to next year. You can lay hands on people and there's energy in the room. However, the gifts of the gifts can be without repentance. We know that, right? But the fruits of the spirit are usually inward proof of something happening. It's like we see it's an outer proof of something happening inward. You can't fake it too much, right? However, so based on that, it's important that we owe our lives a, you know, contemplation. Peter has said a lot in the previous weeks. We sit, we think. We think. We are creative. So we are thinking. We are thinking. We are thinking. And beautiful things, if you set something upon your heart for a while, you get answers. You get answers. God will speak to you about it. You get answers. People will come to you about it. You find one sermon that speaks about it, right? Your friend will just naturally just laugh and say one funny thing. Be like, ah, that was what I wanted to hear, right? It just happen, right? Even past, maybe you just see one, maybe you just see one bread shop. Say, God is able. Say, okay, God, I've heard you, right? So, point is, 
if we, we owe our lives, a, we owe ourselves a life of contemplation where we are consistently measuring how far we have come, how much we have grown, right? That, ah, last week, oh, I would have not responded angrily to this person. Why am I responding angrily today? Mm, I need to check this, 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 okay, right? Measure these things. Measure your peace, measure your peace work, measure how easily you feel threatened, how insecurities bother you, measure what is affecting your peace, measure everything, measure it, treat your life like a product, because it is, so measure everything. Now, when I'm saying the word of God, I'm essentially talking about the written word, the spoken word, and Jesus himself, right? So, the written word, Logos, what we have here, uh, the spoken word, God's voice, audible voice, or, you know, through impressions in our heart as well. And Jesus himself. Now, we need everything. We need every single thing. So we must prioritize everything. And then, like I said, please forget deep. Right? Forget deep. Leave it for those that need it. Forget deep and believe that God's word is enough. See, guys, there is nothing we need that's not inside the Bible. You know how you're studying the word and you get to a particular chapter I say, ah, so this is the answer. <laughs> oh, this is what I needed. Ah, oh, let's say you know, I remember how you spoke to somebody harsh. And I say, ah, it's because I don't know. If I'd read Galatians 5 earlier, sorry, I like Galatians 5 a lot. If I'd read this particular chapter very much, ah, I'd have known to behave better, right? And it's just the reality of our lives. So because the believer is always in the business of getting better, don't beat yourself too up about it. You're getting better. It's okay. You've tried. You made a mistake. Move on. Move on. You know, guilt is a powerful emotion, except for the fact that it's very useless, right? In the sense that it doesn't draw you to repentance. It doesn't draw you to fruitfulness. just leaves you in depression, feeling useless, and sends you back to where you came from, right? However, repentance, which is very different, you know, keeps you in a place of awareness. Oh, God, ah, I did something wrong. You know, and again, it's a beautiful thing if your heart isn't very conscious of such mistakes, right? It's a beautiful thing to keep our hearts very teachable and ready for God's word at every time, right? So in this year of virality, you know, where they feel that the Lord has blessed, we must prioritize the word. It is our gold. Guys, hold it like this. I think hold it like this. But the one he spoke to you, as he told you while you were praying, you do so and so, you have done so and so, or you are this so and so, you have so and so. And also prioritize the one that is in the written word. If you have a physical, if you like a physical hard copy, me, I do be reading it. It's very, I like the flap. When I'm opening it, I love it so much. So, if you like a um, soft copy, that's my new version is your guy. Enjoy it. However, I hold it like this. Hold God's word. Hold, hold cherishing counsel. Hold cherishing God's word deliberately. And read the Bible anyhow. See, as long as, please, preferably start from, you know, the New Testament. So you don't, you don't look for what is not lost with Moses. You know, Preferably, if you're going to start reading the Bible topically, do it. Say, ah, okay, I want to read about faith. Yeah, I'm going to read about faith. I'm going to listen to one or two sermons about faith this month and pair it up with Bible, with the Bible. Or if, or if you want to read book by book, well, I'm going to read Galatians. I like Galatians. <laughs> I'm going to read Galatians. I really like Galatians. I'm going to read Gal and I like John as well. I like John, First John, the Gospels, Galatians, Philippians. I love them. 
So, um, yes, I'm going to read Galatians. If you're like me, you'll probably read Galatians all days of your life. But yes, I'm going to read Galatians, right? I'm going to read Galatians for this month, right? And I'm going to find many things. I'm going to read and read and read and read. It has just six chapters. So you know that by the third day, you're still reading those six chapters. You find that you're knowing so much more. And the word of God never runs empty. The fact that it's such a fountain, right? So I'm going to read. I'm, I'm going to hold it so dearly, right? See, I know some people don't like routines. I do. I like routines. Works for me. I can wake up the same time for the next 50 years, and I don't mind. For some of us, we enjoy spontaneity, and that's okay, right? If you enjoy spontaneity, I, I, however you've been doing every other thing that was consistent to your life, add this on to it. If you're like me, you like routines, plan it. I will do this at this time of the day, right? I would also tie this activity to this other thing so that I'm unable to do this if I don't do this, right? Also, I will measure this by this. These things are important, right? So set your time and say, ah, this is when I'll study the Bible. This how often I'll study the Bible in a week. This is how often I'll study the Bible in a day. However, but remember to be patient and to pace yourself. And remember that it doesn't have to be deep. You don't have to, like, you don't have to study the word and see seven angels. I promise you. It doesn't have to be deep. It just needs to first be the fact that this is a teachable heart that wants to know the word of God. Right? So start anyhow. And if you get tired, and worry about it's not entering. That's, you know how there's, there's you reading the word, and just like, ah, it enter, it enter. And there are days that just be like, just the rich, not just the read, right? On those days, you feel like, we just the read. Please read, though. Read, read, <laughs> read. And if you don't feel like it, please reach out to me. That's one of the things I like. Reach out to me, right? Um, but read, read. Just read, just read. Keep, keep sermons playing around you. Just put these things around you, right? Personally, Bolu knows every Sunday like this, I take advantage of church Wi-Fi and download sermons every week, sermons and books mostly, right? So that I will not say that MTN, because MTN, they've been acting for this week. So I will not say that this is the reason why I could not listen to a sermon, right? So that data or not data, I don't have an excuse, right? So you can do that as well podcast they, they all allow you download and store and you don't need data to play them again so you can do those as well right um yeah so um proverbs 4 20 to 23 it says my son Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to one's whole body. Above all, guard your heart and for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. The beautiful part of this part, and this is back to, you know, how Peter is teaching us about the ability to dream big, right? The ability to dream big and why it's important for us, right? See, if you're reading the Bible, you, you'll find that God has bigger, too, like the plans for us are too big, right? You read one verse, how his promises to us, you're like, ah, 
Now, wow, wow, I didn't even know that I can. I didn't even desire this like, desire for me. Wow, amazing stuff, lovely, right? Good, like big, glorious dreams that God has for all of us, right? And it's important that we keep those words in our hearts, right? Like Pity says, you know, spend time just thinking, how will I look if I had? How will I look when I meet? Ah. How will I feel? I mean, I've imagined myself fainting many times, but yeah. How will I look <laughs> when I meet? How will I, you know, how will I walk into that room? How will I strut in? How will I come in prepared? How will I, how will I tell that, oh, ah, I thought about this 15 years ago. How will I say that? Ah, I'd seen this 10 years ago. Ah, I thought about it three, two years, a month ago, and, and now it has happened, right? So the ability to dream big is super important. And I do understand why it may be difficult for us to um, compartmentalize like positivity sometimes, mostly because our actions, inactions are a product of things that we can and cannot control. Right, mostly because you know where you grew up, most is heavy. Where you grew up, family, what you have learned over the years, how you were raised, your friends, your community, essentially contribute to the type of person that you are now, right? And so, a lot of times, um, unless we're making deliberate effort to be different, we would simply repeat the cycle. But that, like, you shout, you will not, but you will, because subconsciously you are simply you know, pouring out everything that you've been you fed on, right? And so here, Proverbs 4 says here that, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear, turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your hearts. Here, the word of God is assumed to be so tangible that it's even before you, right? And keep them within your hearts for they are life to those that find them and health to one, one's body. Above all, guard your hearts for everything you do flows from it. It's beautiful how the next verse now says, keep your mouth free from perversity. To say that, quite frankly, Sha, if you're guarding your heart, because everything flows from, if you're guarding your heart properly, we may not have an issue with 24. But to even say that there's still effort on our part, you know, to guard our hearts and also, like, do the things that are right. Right, so it's like, oh, I'm learning to be so, 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 right? That's, that's head knowledge must convert to hand knowledge, right? I must go from knowing to doing. I must go from knowing that Jesus is Lord over my health to seeing that Jesus is Lord over my health, to holding it, to, you know, what our hands have held, touched, I think that's John, like to knowing that Jesus is Lord, then to also declaring over another person that Jesus is Lord. Right, so it's important that the word of God is kept solidly in our heart, but also that we do not lose our ability to dream. Right, even if it can be, it may look difficult, but we do not lose our ability to dream, our ability to see ourselves as God sees us. You know, a beautiful prayer will actually forever be, Lord, help me see me as you see me, because. You know how, for me, it's very annoying how you're talking to God about how one thing is very annoying and God is now telling you, it's just, it's as if he's not hearing what you said. It's like, God, I don't have money and he's not telling you that, just telling you, big woman. I'm like, no, you're not paying attention. Jesus, you're not paying attention. Pay attention. I said, I don't have money. He said, big woman. I'm like, no, focus, <laughs> right? Focus. You're not paying attention. 
because it's almost like God is oblivious to the things that we don't have, but focuses so much on the things that he says we have. He's such a God of abundance. So you know how psychology classes teach you a lot about um, the... What's the thing? Abundance mentality versus lack mentality. I promise you, God is the beginner, finisher, author of that, right? God never, ever, ever sees you through what you don't have. Never. Like, you come feeling sick and he calls you the healed already. It's like before you were, before you had the situation, I already made it for you. I made healing ready. What are you saying? You're not sick. It's, it's crazy. Or you're feeling very depressed and tired of life and God is only speaking comfort. It's, like he's not telling you, ah, this sickness, I are sick now. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, let's be sick together. It's a literal fact that, oh, he's simply declaring his word over you. That, so a beautiful prayer will always be that I see myself as God sees me. Because clearly God sees us. He has raised the standard too high for us. It's like when we think that we don't know, he says that we are super creative. It's like when we think that we're tired, he says that we are strengthening to strengthen others. That's so powerful because if you're too tired and God says that, no, you're not just strong, but you're strength for many, that's a lot. That's a lot. If, it's, if you don't have money and God is telling you about being a blessing to many, it's ridiculous. It's like, ah, me, me gone. I want to be a blessing to myself, right? Start with me, right? So, yeah, it's, God's word is never from a place of lack, because he himself is a God of abundance. So it's important we are deliberately trying to put these things around us. Pete talked about, you know, putting, painting out pictures that you, you know, what you want, putting it around you, face, fixing your gaze on these things to say that, ah, I can have this. I can have this. Me self is for me, right? I can have this. I can have this. Again, because um, we're a cumulate, like all of us here, accumulation of past experiences, upbringing, parents, mothers, father, everything, bad and good experiences, you cannot expect that your mind is a switch that you turn off and turn on like that. Agree with yourself and be patient to know that, okay, ah, this is how the awareness is so important. To agree that, okay, I don't have a great perception about money. I need a great perception about money. How do I start having a great perception about money? First, I'll be carrying over myself every day. This, 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 this. Okay, I'll put a picture of money in my room. Okay, I'll be looking at this, right? I'll start talking in this, right? Because all of those years that has built you up to today will not just suddenly disappear in one minute. It's renewal of our minds that happen, right? Renewal of our mind, renewal of our mind for every single thing, right? And the beautiful fact about it is that if it looks impossible, let's remember that the most impossible thing, the most impossible transformation of a person happens at salvation, right? When we are saved, I don't know your own salvation story, but I know my own. And when we are saved, it's ridiculous how we go from chilling with the enemy to being God's person. I, do, I, do, I don't get it. It's like he literally takes you out of Mary and puts you on a rock. Literally. Right? It's like God literally makes nothing. Like it's like there's nothing here. And God says there's beauty, not ashes. Literally. So it means that like you and I, there is so much in that has happened in our life simply because we are saved. Simply because we got saved. Salvation gives us the possibility of changed desires you know changed lives so because we are saved i can desire to be good 
I can desire to pursue peace with all men. I can desire to be godly. I can desire to be pure. I can desire to live holy and consecrated to Christ, right? Because I am saved. Learning as it may seem, but I am saved. Therefore, for me, it is doable. It's not a far off um, something that I can't do. However, it is doable for me, something I can do, right? I may see the changes little by little, but it's something I can do. Right, so if I got changed that salvation, right, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's the same spirit that resides in us, right, now and will always reside in us, it means that our minds are very little. Like, there's no change that's impossible, right? There's no change that's impossible for us. That see that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all our hearts can think, ask, or imagine. Right? So it means that God himself even wants us to be able to see through what he shows us. So when PT is teaching us and says that um, we must desire big things, it's not um, as far as perspire. It is coming to the reality of God's will for you. Simple. It is not um, to, you know, these uh, motivational speakers, that's not what it is. You know they used to sound like, ah. they're telling you, yes, um, do now, one of my colleagues was saying something about how what is conceivable is achievable, something, something able, creatable. I say, oh my girl, Aristotle. So, yeah, it's not motivational speech we are doing. When Pete is teaching us these things, it is the fact that he's simply just telling us, come into the reality God has called you. As we behold, we become. Come and behold. Fine, let's not even say become. Come and behold. Come and see the beauty and splendor of your father. Then you realize that you too can create beauty and splendor. Come and see the wealth that your father sits in. Then you too will know that you are, cannot lack anything. Right? So it is simply an invitation to realize. Right? You know, this entire series of Thrive is not anything new. It's not a new, new. Um, I'm just giving, you know, it's that, it has been that, oh, it's simply that pity is in the business of teaching our hearts to realize, right? Realize that, actually, I realize that this indeed can be you. This indeed is for you. This indeed is you, right? So, um, acknowledge that there is a deficit. Be aware, aware that, oh, God has written his word, and then there is a gap. Like, oh, this thing, I'm acting too irrationally about this issue. I'm aware that I need help, right? I'm aware I need help. I'm going to read books. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to talk to somebody, right? I'm going to look for a solution. I'm not going to stay there and assume that it can't be solved, right? It can't be solved, no. So, yes. So, yes, be teachable. It's a thing that our hearts must learn to be teachable, right? No matter how big that you are, no matter how big that you are, you're not bigger than Jesus. When, uh, Jesus was upon the earth and he was reading, like he was spending time with the Father. He would pray and then he chose disciples afterwards, but he was spending time with the Father, right? Before when Jesus came, God had, a, had reminded his people to obey his words keep his words before them as well. So we must be very teachable, mostly because, like I said earlier, is that we may be unveiling God's word in our hearts and realizing that we may have made a mistake. It's like, oh, you are that guy that went to buy a bakery when God never talked about a bakery because you had bread. So we must be very teachable and very malleable so that 
like we're like gummy bears, like <laughs> sorry, like we're like gummy bears. Like God can do you like this, like doing not in a yama way, but like in you know, a nice way. It's like God can do you like this, right? Because you are safe, right? So it's like we must be teachable, right? So that because the Holy Spirit is always wanting to teach us, correct us, help us be better, help us improve. You know, um, Chira 2.0, Chira 10.0, right? So we must be teachable, must be malleable. In fact, pray it for yourself. My heart is teachable. My heart receives the word of God through people. When I studied the word, I listen. I'm not too stubborn-headed. I, this Bible, what is here? You know, some of us know the word of God so much in our head, and there's nothing in our hearts. It's very bad behavior. So we must be very teachable. Very teachable. Open your ear. Ah! This thing that they are saying, this word of God, are, um, they are doing workers meeting, Peter is teaching us. I don't, it's as though I don't know it before. Because I'm going to hear, right? They are leading prayer in the morning. It's as though ah, I don't know this before. I'm going to hear, right? Because if you already know everything, what have we come to teach you again now? There's nothing to teach you, right? Uh-huh. So we can't improve on what does not. M- I don't know what I wrote here. But yes, so the sum of our life is so eventually the sum of our thoughts, right? So change our thoughts, we change our life. Pity has so much talked about this, right? This change happens bit by bit. So be patient with yourself. This change happens bit by bit. Be patient with yourself. Acknowledge grace for yourself. Acknowledge grace for yourself. It is why Christ always knows what to do. Second Corinthians 2. Right? Then it's also a war of conversation. So it's the fact that, I even saw somebody post this somewhere, that watch out for the conversations you're having in your mind, in your head. Right? Because a war of conversations. Pity gave us a beautiful story about um, Eve, how the enemy went to them and said, did God really say? But in all of us, in our lives, every single time, the enemy is always just, did God really say? I promise you. Um, sickness comes, headache comes. That's him telling you. Did God really say you are the healed of God? Ah, look at you, healer like you, falling sick. Well, even the rhyme in your head. So I'm saying, ah, right. <laughs> did God really say? Right. And it's the fact that the enemy will always want to speak. Right, he's always speaking, always showing himself. But remember, he's the father of lies. He's the father of lies. So something God told me two, three weeks ago, three weeks I believe now, is so I was. He woke me up and said, um, "The devil is afraid of you." Head knowledge. I said, "Ah, I know, I know, I know, I know." Right, and I said it again, and I said, and at that second time, my heart calms down. I'm like, hmm, true. I, I don't remember now what happened the night before or anything, but like, yeah. I'm like, oh, true. Apparently, what I understood better was like, oh, the devil actually lives in fear. For where there's love, there's no fear. For fear, for love, pardon me, for perfect love casts out fear. If God is love, then it means the enemy lives in fear. Like, the enemy cannot be in perfect love. He is in fear. In fact, the devil is anxious. The devil is the best version of do it afraid, I promise you. He's been doing it afraid since, now you know, just know. Just shows up, Garaga, empty, right? He's been doing it afraid since, right? Because he knows that first of all, he has been cast down. He's um, he's defeated. Not he will be defeated though. He's defeated. He cannot have hope. As in, 
Think of your life now. Do you know the beauty of going to bed saying, ah, tomorrow will be better. Like, sorry, I'm speaking out of pigeon. Tomorrow will be better, right? Do you know the beauty of that thing? That tomorrow I can try again. The enemy does not have hope. Oh. As in, hopeless. As in, hopeless. Oh, she's hopeless, right? He's shameless. He's living in guilt. Because forever and ever, he will never be, be able to glorify God. Never. He will never be able you know, do you know what it means to be before God and be cast out? Like, never. That's the type of life he lives on. Shame. However, he does it afraid. So he comes, shows off his ugly head, and he tries to trigger you, and all these things happen, whether through thoughts, words, people, yada, yada, yada. And it's the enemy, right? And so we realize that he's simply just audacious about foolishness, but he's the father of lies, right? So we must remember and Philippians, keep your heart upon all that is beautiful, lovely, nice, noble. I'm adding my own adjective at this point. Noble, true, pure, holy. There's why. Right? There's why. Because as we behold, we become. Right? And, um, yeah, so Galatians 5.22, I finally get to do this. Okay, let's go to first Philippians uh, Philippians 4, 8. 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. This is literally hack. Like hack for our lives. Right? Hack for producing productivity. Since it is from the abundance of hair that everything else will flow, it's important that we are setting our gaze on possibilities, right? Possibilities. And while we are learning to do this life, right? While we are learning to do this, acknowledge and, you know, spend time, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Right. I particularly love this verse so much because it reminds me a whole lot about the standard that God calls us to. It's like I'm just a little bit nice. But God says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. And God is the highest definition of love. And sadly, he doesn't say for the fruit of the spirit is small love. Is that is love? <laughs> joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? So we are more than equipped for a life of godliness, right? And a life of godliness is productive. A life of godliness is full. A life of godliness is impactful, right? So a life of godliness is prosperous. A life of godliness is wealthy, right? Okay, so I find that when we incubate thoughts in our hearts, we are able to flow into more of it, good or bad, right? If we set up things in our hearts, usually, if you're very, very, if you're a thinker, you find that, oh, you just think about one nice thing and just become happy for no reason. Or you just think about one bad thing, so, and just become very sad for no reason. Peter even talked about it. Just become very sad for no reason. And if you do a um, five-wise, you know, and think about clarity of oh, why am I feeling this way? And I say, ah, it's because I sat on my own and I invited, you know, negativity. So guys, we listen to sermons, right? Again, anything I don't know, 
It's because I haven't read it yet. It's because I haven't listened yet. If I've listened, if I've probably gotten to Second Peter chapter five. Maybe I'll be, but maybe today I'll have shown some responding in a different way to certain situations. If I've gotten to Joshua one verse nine, maybe I'll have responded to certain situations. So we are very much in control of how stuck we can be in life by our thoughts. We're very much in control of how much our thoughts can respond by how much we have put within, right? So guys, beware of wrong doctrine. Ha. Somebody I love very much says that every single time you and I we are being discipled, every single time, by what we listen, by who we speak with, by how we listen, take care of what you listen to and how, but like every single time we are being discipled, so the question is who are we letting disciple us? Right? If you're focused, I, I don't know names, but like if you're constantly listening to something, right? Whether you like to know, those things show up in our thoughts. You find that if you're calling this to aggressive people, right, or people who like to simply argue over everything under the earth, right, you find that you become very defensive. You just want to have an argument and you'd be feeling yourself, oh, I'm very, very argumentative. I'm very, 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 there's even a word that's very nice that people use. I'm very, there's a word, right, assertive. Ah, that's it. Very assertive, right? Because <laughs> you, have, you always have an answer for everything. You're very bold, audacious. You know, your mouth is sharp, <laughs> right? Very sharp. You know what to say when nobody else knows what to say. You know, you're the queen of letters. So, literally, right? So, it's the fact that what we listen to disciples us. It's not even deliberate, right? It's not deliberate. It's not deliberate. It's that if you keep listening to a particular person, you naturally pick up maybe their euphemisms. You pick up their those their body movements. Notice now, some of your friends that you talk to, I realize that I start talking like them. It's not even, we, like human beings like to, we like to pride ourselves in not being impressionable. We like to say, I'm not, I'm not easily influenced. You're a liar. You're lying to yourself. <laughs> because to be honest, we are very impressionable. I mean, maybe not as much as children are, but we are very influenced. As in the ability for everybody to be influenced is so easy. Because even unknowingly, you're responding to be like a person, right? So it's like, if you notice, spend more time with your particular friends, you realize that, oh, you start talking a certain way, you start having a certain color to your views, you start thinking a certain way, and if you particularly start listening to certain things as well, these things affect, you see it every single day, every single day. So because we know that thoughts are strongholds, like PT taught us, we must then deliberately try to take control of discipleship over our lives. Who am I letting disciple me? Who am I listening to? I don't have to listen to um, Papa, Papa Hedin calls this itchy ears. You don't, everything on that is ears, not your business. You don't have to hear everything. You don't have to know every song. You don't have to know every sermon. You have to listen to every preacher. Not everybody's your pastor. You should know that by now. Not because they are all terrible. No, not at all. But not everybody is sent to you. Not everybody is sent to you, right? Not everybody is sent to you. And so you don't go and listen into um, error. Protect yourself. Right, protect yourself, protect yourself, protect your space, protect what you're listening to, right? Pity also has once posted, I think on the status, and said that we are all evangelizers, right? We are only just choosing what we're evangelizing. If I'm talking a lot about football, then I'm, you know, evangelizing football. So we are all being discipled and all evangelizing by our actions and, you know, deliberate and not to deliberate actions, right? So the power of changed minds is first proven in our lives through salvation, right? Romans 12, 2. Ah, I pressed something. 
Romans 12. That's Romans. Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right? So it means that, you know, we would, by deliberately giving our mind to renewal, you and I will become students and then even become leaders of God's will, where we're able to first test and then approve. So it's like, Okay, so it's like we're able to say this is correct and then even, you know, lead others as well. So pace yourself, understanding that we're a field, and because we're a field, harvest is sure, right? Harvest is sure. So, yeah, intently gaze. Lord, help us see what, we, what you see. Spend time meditatively on the word. Um, agree there is work to be done. I know that we like, um, like, tangible results like we like immediate tangible results also try to convince yourself that even when it is intangible it is still as good meaning that i'm a work in progress and it is fine i'm a work in progress and it is fine i'm a work in progress and it is fine like Peter said when you study the word or you're reading over like god's word over you imagine yourself in that situation right imagine yourself in that place like ah god says i'm the field that lord has blessed how will i look I think of air freshener, just like, hmm, hmm, hmm. smelling everywhere, nice, all right, so, yeah, <laughs> right, so, systems and habits, understand your person first, and how that affects your work, so, yeah, to wrap up everything is that every single thing is tied into sonship, identity, and our nature in Christ, right, sonship would let us understand that we deserve we deserve, we deserve. I deserve the good things that God has to give. I deserve good things that God has already even given, right? Identity, bro, we can forget, oh, hey. We think that we know so much we are. We can forget. Paul speaking to the Galatians. Again, I like Galatians. I was in Galatians and says, um, how did you start in the spirit and then now, you know, in the flesh, right? Because we can forget. We've, there's been a devotional read about this, but yeah, we can forget. So it means that we must deliberately, deliberately reinforce identity. We must deliberately reinforce identity. I, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a, I'm a child of God. That's how I should act. That's how I should behave. I currently am not doing it right. Okay, okay. I'm aware. I will, you know, I'll, I'll shape up. I'll act better. Then nature. Because it's our nature, it means it is who we are. And the singular. Um, the ability to believe that this is, uh, this is our nature, as in God's nature is our nature, makes it possible to believe the overwhelming truth of the, of the word of God. Because God's word will forever be too much. Like, it's always be like, ah, God, I'm le just learning how to manage to hug people. You're saying my fruits should be love and joy and peace, right? Because if we first agree that, oh, God is good, and he's, this is my nature, right? it means that God is not asking for too much. He's simply bringing me into realization, right? So, uh, yes, we've come to the end of today. So, we're going to stand and pray for the next, we're done in two minutes. We'll stand and pray for the next one minute. And our prayer is really just that, you know, Lord, help me see me like you see me. Help me see me like you see me. Help me see me like you see me. Help me Help me see me like you see me, full of love, right? Full of love, ever being changed by the word, you know, growing in character, growing in wisdom, you know, abounding in very good works, not weary of doing good, not tired of serving, right? Loving, serving, 
abundantly blessed, right? Provided for, providing for, right? that in this our viral year we do not misplace priorities such as god's word because we understand that therein lies the way for every single thing we are set to achieve so we anchor our lives on god's word we anchor our lives on God's word. We anchor our lives on God's word. We deliberately create systems and habits that allow, that allow these things be. You know, we deliberately create systems and habits that make these things easy for us. Right? When we need help, we reach out. When we need help, we reach out. We binge on sermons. We binge on the word of God. We binge on godly content. We binge on godly music. Right? We spend time filling our minds, our hearts with these things. We spend time filling, spend time filling our hearts and minds with these things, believing God's word, knowing that it is not, it's not, it's not, it's not possible to fail, right? That it is certainly sure. And so we enjoy God's word. We see ourselves as the fruits, as the field that has flourished, right? That we are blessed upon this earth and we are blessing to many. All right. So thank you, Father, for your word today. Thank you, Jesus, because I trust that your word has healed. I trust that your word has brought hope. I trust that your word has brought and cost renewal. I trust that your word has, you know, changed my life and changed our lives. I trust that, you know, we're, we're, starting, we're starting to realize that, oh, indeed you are good, and indeed your will for us is perfect and pleasing, and indeed we have all that we need. Thank you, Father, for today, and thank you for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. We hope you were blessed by that sermon. Cheers to growth and global impact. Feel free to contact us via our social media platform at This Green Church. And do join us every Sunday by 9am and Wednesday by 6pm to be a part of our family. Remember, you are that Savior. You are light and life to your world.